And so, Father, now as we turn to your word, may the Ruach, may the Spirit of the living God establish God's word in our hearts because you did not want your children to be not knowing and in the dark on these issues. But you want us to know and to know that your word is yes and amen and is true. We thank you for the prophets of old and the apostles of the New Testament, Almighty God, the bread Hadishah, that sacrificed much so that we could have your word written down in various languages and in various translations. We are truly enriched. And so now we ask, O Ruach HaKodesh, open our eyes so that we may see, open our ears so that we may be able to hear, and open up our hearts so that we will be able to apply your word to give you glory and honor and bring unity in the body of Messiah. We ask this in Yeshua's name, amen. So now if you'll turn with me, we are back in the book of Yaakov, which is the book of James, and chapter number one. James chapter one. So this is a letter from Yaakov to the 12 tribes of the diaspora. That's Jews living outside the land of Israel. Praise be to God. And so since it's been the last time that I shared on this message was March the 18th, we're just going to read the first portion of scriptures here. And then going from uh, verse number uh, 14, 13 and beyond, we'll go even deeper. So let us begin. From Yaakov, a slave of God, and of the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, to the 12 tribes in the diaspora, Shalom. Regard it as all joy, my brothers, when you face various kinds of temptations. For you know that the testing of your trust or faith produces perseverance. But let us, but let perseverance do its complete work, so that you may be completed and whole, lacking in nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in trust, that is faith, doubting nothing. For the doubter is like the wave in the sea, being tossed and driven by the wind. Indeed, that person should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord, because he is a double-minded person and unstable in all his ways. Let the brother in humble circumstances boast about his high position. But let the rich brother boast about his being humbled, since like a wildflower he will pass away. For just as the sun rises with the shirah and dries up the plant, so that its flower falls off and its beauty is destroyed, so too the rich person going about his business will wither away. How blessed is the man who perseveres through temptation. For after he has passed the test, he will receive as his crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. No one being tempted should say, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and God himself tempts no one. Rather, each person is tempted whenever he is being dragged off or enticed 
by the bait of his own desire. And so now we go here even deeper. Human beings shifting blame in the Garden of Eden. When Adam told God, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree. Where is that found? But in Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. But God should never be blamed for sin. Sin is a, is a sign of the enemy who is Hasatan, the evidence of his activity. God may allow temptation to strengthen the trust, the faith of all Messianic believers. But if they give in to temptation, they alone are the ones to blame. I referred to this in the past when we read through uh, Job chapter 1 and also verses 21 and 22 and Job chapter 2 verse 10. So continuing, temptation is inevitable. No one escapes it. Even Yeshua himself faced temptation. Now let us turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And beginning at verse 13, we will read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. No temptation has seized you beyond what people normally experience. And God can be trusted not only allow you to be tempted, will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. On the contrary, along with the temptation... He will also provide the way out so that you will be able to endure. That's a promise from the Lord himself to us that every temptation that we face in life, whether it's Hasatan or another person on this earth, God has made a way. He's made a provision for us, for us to become victorious through. And so now let us continue now in the book of Hebrews Chapter 2, verse 18. It's also called Messianic Jews in some translations. So Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18 declares. For since he himself suffered death when he was put to the test. And who's that speaking of? But our Messiah Yeshua. He is able to help those who are being tested now. See, when Yeshua came, he came to represent the Father, but also he came to represent mankind to the Father, enabling him to establish and build the only bridge to the Father. And it says this in the scripture that Yeshua was tested far greater than you and I will ever be tested. And he overcame that by what? By the provision of his heavenly father. Through the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. Though he be both God and also man. So that all the temptations beyond that. Yeshua can find and give us comfort in this. So continuing here. And we'll continue here now in Messianic Jews chapter 4 and verse 15. 
For we have a Kohen Hagadol, that's a high priest. For we do not have a Kohen Hagadol, high priest, unable to emphasize with our weakness, since in every respect he was tempted just as we are. The only difference being that he did not sin. Therefore, let us confidently approach the throne from which God gives grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. So that grace is God's enabling power for, o- for us to overcome any temptation that we face. And so temptation is inevitable and no one escapes it. Not even Yeshua. Unless we as believers acknowledge this reality, we have programmed ourselves for failure. Next, yielding to temptation. Yielding temptation is sin. But temptation itself is not sin. Temptation is also not just a single event, but a process evolving four stages. First of that stage is enticement. The second one is entrapment. The third is endorsement. And finally, enslavement. See, God has set us free from our sins, our old carnal nature. But you and I face temptation every day. Do we want to go back to Egypt? which symbolizes the world, where we've already been set free. We've already passed through the Red Sea in our hearts and minds. And we desire to go where? To the promised land, which is our eternal promised land, but in the presence of God the Father and the Son and the Ruach HaKodesh. So if you think it from that perspective, then you can actually put your mortal body to death and allow your spirit man to rise walking in God's provision as you go being transformed daily by the renewing of your mind through God's word and so the key to overcoming temptation is not just to resist but to change one's thoughts refocusing now one's mind on what is true and on the one Yeshua who assures us victory So you turn the tables on Satan. You take every thought captive. Does this thought glorify God? Does it build me up in my faith and trust in the Lord? Or is it one of Satan's snares that simply want to trip me up? God has given us discernment. Do we want to walk in the Lord's provision? Or do we want to walk in our old lives? Because that becomes habitual. And the Lord wants us to stop those bad habits. So going forward, his own desire, out of verse number 14. His own desire, known in Judaism as Yetzirah, evil inclination. Let us now turn to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Romans 5, chapter 12. 5 and verse 12. Romans 5 and verse 12. Here is how it works. It was through the one individual that sin entered the world. And through sin, death. And in this way, death passed through the whole human race. Insomuch as everyone sinned. 
Sin was indeed present in the world before the Torah was given. But sin is not counted as such when there is no Torah. Nevertheless, death ruled from Adam unto Moshe, Moses, even over those whose sinning was not exactly like Adam's violation of direct command. In this, Adam prefigured the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if because of one man's offense, many died, then how much more has God's grace, that is, the gracious gift of one man, Yeshua the Messiah, overflowed to many. No, the free gift is not like what resulted from one man sinning, for from one sinner came judgment that brought condemnation. But the free gift came after many offenses brought acquittal. For if because of the offense of one man death ruled through the one man, how much more will those receiving the overflowing grace, that is, the gift of being considered righteous, rule in life through the one man, Yeshua, the Messiah. In other words, just as it was through one offense that all people came under condemnation, so also it is through one's righteous act that all people come to be considered righteous. For just as through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience obedience of the other man, many will be made righteous. And the Torah came into picture so that the offense would prolificate. But where sin is prolificated, grace prolificated even more. All this happens so that just as sin ruled by means of death, so also grace may rule through the causing people to consider righteousness so that they might have eternal life through Yeshua, the Messiah, our Lord. That's a great explanation there. And so the genesis of sinful acts is treated similarly by the rabbis. For example, the gates of repentance. And this is a quote from Rabbi Jonah of Jerona. He's a cousin of Maimonides. One who commits a transgression, that's what he stated, has been seized by lust and enticed thereto by the evil inclination. Yet Zerah understood, end of quote. So repentance halts at once the vicious sequence described in Yaakov chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. And let us continue on verse 15 here. And I'm going to back up here to 13 so we can see it in its context. No one being tempted should say, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. God himself tempts no one. Rather, each person is being tempted, whether he is being dragged off or enticed by his own bait of his own desire. Verse 15, and then having conceived the desire gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So continuing here, Hasatan loves to the routine desire and to take it and turn it into runaway desire. 
so that we may be dragged away means to be snared in his trap because he's trying to, to slip us up. Remember the illustration in the scripture that after Yeshua came up from the waters of immersion and the Ruach HaKadosh came upon him and the voice that spoke from heaven said, Behold, my son, hear him. And continuing with that, he was then taken by whom? By the Ruach, by the Spirit of the living God, out where? Into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and nights and then to be what? Tempted by Hasatan himself. So Yeshua had that one-on-one. So continuing here, dragged away means to be snared in a trap and enticed means to be lured by bait. Hasatan uses various kinds of bait to lure the unsuspecting into his traps. If people are not careful, they will be deceived by their own desires and caught up in sin. First falling, failing, and then falling. Now continuing with our commentary. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you know what's amazing about Satan? He has no new tricks up his sleeve. He keeps doing the same stuff over and over and over and over again. And that's why we're to know, as scriptures say in the King James, we're to know the wiles, the ways of the devil. Because Hasatan has been studying us from the time you're born to this present day. He's been studying us. He knows where our weaknesses are. And that's why we get these crazy thoughts. That's why sometimes we receive these crazy dreams. And we're to take those dreams and we're to take those thoughts captive and line them up with God's word. Is this drawing me closer to Yeshua and serving God the Father? Or is this a snare that Satan has laid for me? Simply take that snare off your ankle and walk in the grace and provision of the Lord. So continuing here in verse number 15 in the commentary, sin gives birth to death. An example of Yaakov striking manner of expression is contrast with God gave birth to us. If we simply read on ahead here to verse number 18 of Yaakov, it says this. Having made his decision, that's speaking of the Lord God Almighty, he gave birth to us through a word that can be relied upon in order that we should be the kind of first fruits of all that he created. And who's the word there? Yeshua himself. He's literally the word of God, the expression of God the Father to us. And so going forward here, this speaks of the new birth that is here. And so in the, the book of John, the Gospel of John, let's turn really, really quickly. John chapter 3 and verse 3. This gives us more firm confirmation that God's word is yes and amen and it is true. So John 3, 3. Yes, indeed, Yeshua answered him. I tell you that unless a person is born again from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
And Yeshua is speaking to whom but to Nicodemus in that, in that passage there? We all had a natural birth from and through our mothers. But God desires us to have a spiritual birth. When the revelation of who Yeshua is comes to us, that is provided to us through the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of living God, we have that opportunity to become born again. Thereby becoming God's children. Both in the flesh and of the spirit. So continuing here. Just as a child is a human being before birth, so sin is present in the heart before being revealed. And how do we know this? And I'm just going to go through these scriptures here. You don't have to turn to them, but you can write them down if you want. Job 15.35 says this. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. Their wombs prepare deceit. And continuing on that portion there, out of the book of Psalms, which in Hebrew is Tehillim, chapter 7, verse 14. This is what it declares. Look how the wicked is pregnant with evil. He conceives trouble and gives birth to lies. Going forward, Isaiah chapter 59, 4. No one sues with a just cause. No one pleads honest, honestly in court. They trust in empty and worthless things. They conceive trouble and they give birth to evil. So when people hold temptation in their hearts, they fantasize in their minds, sin is conceived, and when sin is born, it brings forth death. And how do we know this? From the book of Bimitbar, which is Numbers 32-23, it says this, but if you will not do this, then you have sinned against Adonai, and you must understand that your sin will find you out. How often have we seen in past history through the book, the Lord lays the sins of the people bare. Think about if you lived in these recorded Bible times. Your life would be revealed, both where you served the Lord and where you did not. Is that continuing on today, even though we're not adding to God's word today? Absolutely. We hear about men and women who formerly walk with God, who were caught in temptation and committed sin, and they tried to hide it. And the, what did the Lord do? He allowed it to be revealed so that it would bring fruits of repentance in their hearts and minds. But what are we seeing that is becoming more common today? There are great men and women of God who after living in that sin, they embrace that sin, they were unwilling to repent, and the Lord turns them over to their sin. That's judgment. Judgment so that they will show true fruits of repentance and allow God to change. They lose their reputation. 
and that's fine, they lose their reputation. How terrible it would be for you to live a secret life where your reputation is never discovered and yet your name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life because you were not a true believer, a person that trusted in the Lord. And so today, we are still shocked when we hear about these great men and women of God after their sin is revealed. And for some of them, their sin is not revealed. And they come to the point where they say, I no longer believe in God. I ask you this, were they ever his in the first place? Absolutely not. Why? Because when you become born again, you receive the spirit of living God. The spirit of living God is there to reveal sin to our hearts 24-7 and giving us a desire to repent, to be reconciled, to confess our sins. For he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, there are many people that say they belong to the Lord, but they do not. Because that transformation is not a one-time transformation. That's an ongoing transformation. And it takes years. All of us who would be truthful and honest, we would say, I'm not there yet. And I stand before you and I say this, I'm not there yet. Knowing that the work of the Ruach will do and complete his work in me as I'm being honest before the Lord and being transparent. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So continuing here. Now let us go back to verse number 16 of Yaakov. Don't delude yourselves, my dear brothers. Don't deceive yourselves. What's happening now in this world? Men are now believing that they're women and they can give birth to children. And women are losing their natural desires and wanting to become men and desiring those of their own sexual nature and vice versa with men. There's a delusion that's falling upon this earth. God's word is being set aside. There are Supreme Courts throughout the world. And I know they have various names. They're setting aside God's word and they're saying, this or that is politically or culturally correct today. Now, if we're to be people of God's word, we're to be following and defining what God says things as they are. But with this sin, Yaakov, and he's addressing his Jewish brothers and sisters, he's saying, do not delude yourselves, my dear brothers. This is a heavy message. Just like Yeshua never pulled punches. Yeshua's oldest younger brother, he did the same. And so did brother Jude, if you ever read the book of Judah. Jude, the same. So let us continue here. Praise be unto God. 
Verse number 16 and 17. Do not delude yourselves, my dear brothers. Every good act of giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father who made the heavenly lights. With him there is neither variation nor darkness caused by turning. So now as we go a little bit deeper here, the heavenly lights and variation of darkness caused by turning. This is astronomical language. It's either speaking of an eclipse or phases of the moon. Yaakov's is now not dealing with cosmetology that we're in two camps. One was in the camp of Ptolemaic, Ptolemy, who believed this, that, the, that all the planets in the universe revolve around the S-U-N. A differing opinion was by another individual there. I said them backwards. Ptolemy believed that the earth was the center and that all the planets would rotate around it. It was Nicholas Copernicus who stated that the sun is the center of the universe and that in our universe and then all the planets rotate around that. And so that's not what it's focusing on here. Yaakov now, he now switches his focus in this pivotal verse. Until now, he's concentrated on the evil temptation. Now he turns to the goodness of God. And so we focus now on these scriptures. Malachi 3.6 records this. Be, but because I, Adonai, do not change, your sons, Yaakov, Jacob, will not be destroyed. And continuing here, in 1 John 1.5, it states this, And this is the message which we have heard from him to proclaim to you. God is light and there is no darkness. In him there is none whatsoever. In other words, commentary, God does not tempt us to evil. Instead, he gives us good gifts. The text here uses two different words for gift. The good gift emphasizes the act of giving. Every action of God's giving is good. And the perfect gift emphasizes the benefit of giving. Every result of God's giving is good. The phrase, the Father who made the heavenly lights, reminds us of God's unchanging nature. And so now as we go a little bit deeper here, we see that it's God who puts the stars and the sun and the moon in their places. And he faithfully presides over his children's lives and provides every good thing for them. And how do we know this? In Matthew 6.30 it says this. If this is how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown into the oven, won't he much more clothe you, you of little trust and little faith? Continuing. Continuing. 
Back to Yaakov chapter 1 verse 18. Having made his decision, he gave birth to us through a word that can be relied upon in order that we should find that we'll be, we should be kind of first fruits of all that he created. So now going a little bit deeper in this portion of scripture, having made this decision of his own free will. See, it's God's free choice to love us. He loved us before he created all the universe, before he created this earth. He knew us prior for us even being born. Think about that. God knows how and he has given us names prior for us, our mothers and fathers even being born. He knows every individual. And so with this, we see that this is all part of God's plan. And it's his own free will, he loved us first. See, not one of us cannot say, I came to the Lord through the reading of just scripture or someone giving me a testimony. No, it was God the Father expressing his love, slowly removing the veil from our eyes and softening our stone hearts so that we could even comprehend his desire and know his love. So continuing here, having made his decision of his own free will by grace and not because he owed it to us, God gave birth to us through a word that can be relied upon. So in Matthew 7, 11, it says this. So if you, even though you are bad, know how to give your children gifts that are good, how much more will your father in heaven keep giving good things to those who keep asking him? And when we're faced with temptation and trial, what's the first thing that we should come out of our mouths? Father, I need your help. This is beyond me. I'm not going to walk in my own strength, my own thoughts, my own decision process. I'm going to allow your spirit to speak and fully equip me for this specific temptation because you've already orchestrated. You've already shaped a provision that I need for this exact temptation that I face today. And I know that my elder brother, Yeshua, who's my Messiah, my advocate before you, my Lord and my Redeemer, my high priest, has gained victory in every temptation that he has faced. And he's come out victorious through and by your provision. Now I desire, Father, for you to give that to me now. That's why we're instructed to take every thought captive. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, that's where we're able to walk in God's victory. To be an overcomer. Just as Yeshua was an overcomer on this earth. So continuing here. Having made his decision of his own free will by the grace, not because he owed it to us, but gave birth to us through the word that can be relied upon. Romans 10.17 says this. So trust comes from what is what heard, and what is heard comes through a word proclaimed about what? 
Messiah Yeshua. He is our salvation. He is our provision. He is our everything. So continuing here. The word of truth is Yeshua the Messiah. is taught most clearly by the good news of Yohanan, John. And let's look quickly here at John chapter 1 and verse 1. You know what's amazing? Yohanan John was the last of the apostles upon this earth. He was there with Yeshua at the beginning. And he was the one to receive the revelation of who Yeshua is. The book of Revelation. See, a lot of people get caught up on the anti-Messiah and the tribulation, all this other stuff. But Revelation reveals who Yeshua is, the plan that he received through, from God the Father, and how it's going to be orchestrated out in these last days. So John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now over to verse 14. The Word became a human being. And who is that Word but Yeshua? And he lived with us. And we saw his Shekinah, the Shekinah of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. And what is the Shekinah? The divine presence. What did Moses say? When God said, I'm just going to kill off all those Israelis and I'm going to start over with you. Out of you, I'll I'll bring up a new nation. Moshe said, please relent. He said, if you do not go with us, we'll stay right here. See, he knew that the divine presence of God is what we desire, both here on earth and what's the most focus up in heaven, but the presence of God the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the living God. Now let's turn to John 3, verses 5. And 8, John 3, verses 5 and 8. Yeshua answered, yes, indeed, I tell you, unless a person is born from the water and from the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is born from flesh is flesh, and what is born from the spirit is spirit. Stop being amazed at my telling you that you must be born again from above. The wind blows where it wants to. To hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. That's how it is with everyone who has been born from the Spirit. Now, quickly, let's turn to uh, chapter 15 of John. Isn't it beautiful how God has weaved his scripture from one scripture to the next? His plan is being made known to us. So John 15 and verse 26. When the counselor comes, and who's the counselor? The Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send you. That means us as individuals. From whom the Father, the Spirit of whom? Truth. Not deception, but truth. There is no deception or lies in God the Father through his son Yeshua or the Ruach HaKodesh who keeps going out from whom? 
the Father. He's doing the Father's will. He will testify on what? My behalf. Whose behalf? But Yeshua's behalf. And to testify too because you have been with me from the outset. See, the moment we become born again, we are no longer our own. We belong to God the Father. We belong to Yeshua who died. He's purchased us with his own precious blood. And we are indwelled by the Spirit of the living God. And the Spirit of the living God does not tolerate sin in our lives. He calls us into account for us to make restitution and repentance. That's how you know that you're in the Lord. If you continue to do the things that you did in your old carnal nature, then you have plugged your ears to that still small voice of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the living God. So let us continue here through John, and we'll end on John today. Chapter 16 and verse number 7. But I tell you the truth. Who's speaking here but Yeshua? It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the comforting counselor, who is the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. However, if I do go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will show that the world is wrong about sin. Yeah, but Frank, the Supreme Court made a decision. Who cares? If it does not reveal God's biblical truth on the matter, it is wrong and it is sin. Continuing. When he comes, he will show that the world is wrong about sin and about righteousness and about judgment, about sin in that people don't put their trust in me, and about righteousness in that I'm going to the Father, and you will no longer see me, about the judgment in that the ruler of this world has been judged. And who got provision over this world? When our father, Adam, having full knowledge, got the direct word from the Lord that said, do not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But he disobeyed. From that time, the prince of the power of the air has come. Continuing, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. However, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into what? All truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but will say what he hears. And who is he listening to? But the Father. He will announce to you the events of the future. He will glorify me because he will receive from what is mine and announce it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. That is why I said that he receives from what is mine and will announce it to you. That's very, very clear, is it not? Now let us finish in 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 through 8 in conclusion today. 1 John 5, 4 through 8. 
And this is what it says here. 1 John 5. And this is the message which we have heard from him to proclaim to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him, none. If we claim to have fellowship with him while we're walking in darkness, notice that? If you allow your carnal nature to thrive and live in your life daily, if we claim to have fellowship with him, who's him but Messiah and also the Father and the Ruach, if we claim to have fellowship with him while walking in darkness, the things of this world, our old carnal nature, we're lying. But Rabbi Frank, can I make it any more clear than that? We're to hold ourselves accountable. We're lying and not living out what the truth. The spirit of living God, who is truth, dwells within us. And he does not tolerate sin in our lives, but convicts us of that sin, that we'll repent of our sins and be reconciled to God the Father through the Spirit and through what Yeshua has done. And Yeshua stands as the advocate before our Father and speaks on our behalf every time Hasatan enters into the courtroom of God the Father and says, Rabbi Frank has done this. I can't be any more transparent than what I'm doing right now. Continuing here. This is a heavy word. I'm crucified my flesh as I prepare to preach God's word. And that's what should be happening. See, my transformation process has not been completed yet. So let us continue. If we claim to have fellowship with him, we are walking in darkness. We are lying and not telling, not living out truth. But if we are walking in the light, the revelation, do I agree when the spirit of living God says, Frank, you've sinned. You need to repent. Yeah, but, and I make all these excuses. He doesn't tolerate that. He's God. I am not to walk in delusion. My own self-deceivedness continuing here. But if we're walking the light, he is in the light. Then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of his son purifies us for, from all sin. We're going to make mistakes. We're to show forgiveness one to another, towards another. If we claim not to have sin... We're deceiving ourselves. Does it not speak of the heart? It's despicable and it's wicked. And it deceives us. Our minds can play tricks on us. But the spirit of the living God can cause us to walk in truth. We, it, verse 8, we'll complete here. If we claim not to have sin... We are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And if the truth is not in us, then our name has not been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. God wants us to deal with sin in our lives. 
He's allowed the Spirit to speak to us the truth, not someone else's opinion, but the truth. That we would walk in that knowing that Yeshua has done everything righteous and that's in his righteousness that we're kept. And who is sent to us, the one to perfect us? The bride, us the bride, but the spirit of the living God. And bride, are you ready for the Lord to come? Your bridegroom's ready to come at any time, we don't know. But if I live my life in that hope, and if I die, I'm buried with that hope. And when he comes, and he raises up the dead Messiah first, and those that are alive, we receive our glorified bodies to the glory and honor of God the Father. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.